It was a late night in Edinburgh, Scotland, as Seamus McGregor walked through his front door after a long day working in the Edinburgh City Council. He was greeted by his wife, but instead of the usual hug and kiss he was used to receiving, she stared intently into his eyes. She didn't have to say a word to him, nor he to her, as she just pointed into the living room of their smaller cottage-style home outside of the Edinburgh city limits. He nodded in agreement as he slowly walked in to see his daughter sitting on their sofa covered in a blanket and crying. In one hand was a cup of hot tea, and the other was clutched around her blanket. He looked at his daughter as if to gauge her properly as he knelt down and held her tight in his large arms. He sat down as he saw the steady flow of tears coming down her face. He opened up the blanket and noticed that what was left of the dress she was wearing was ripped to shreds and there were bloodstains all over it and her skin. Well now, Abigail, that looks bad. She started to sob uncontrollably as she exited her days. I don't know what happened, Ah, It was all so sudden. He put his hands on her reddened cheeks to try and calm her down. Look at me. Look at me now. It's okay, love. Just... Just tell me what happened. She caught a bit of her breath in between laboured sobs. Bobby and I were coming home from the theatre, and there were these three assholes who came up from behind us and took us into the alley. I... I didn't see what the bastards were wearing because it was all so sudden... And then things inside of me started to grow, and, and I started to see red. We said that we we didn't want any trouble, but those guys weren't having it. And they went out of Bobby's knickers and tore them right off like they were paper. And they put their filthy hands on us, all over my ass and my tits and Bobby's too. And all the while, my anger just started to boil over, and, and, and that's when an uncontrollable rage just seemed to come over me. It was as if my skin was literally boiling from the inside. Then we, well... The last thing I knew was that I was much bigger and I had claws and fur and I, I... Sweetheart, I need you to calm down. I need you to speak softer so I can understand you. Abigail tried to compose herself, but couldn't. Duh. Before I knew it, I was ripping through the throat out of that man who was trying to rape us. And then I continued to see red. And with that red, I just killed everyone in my path and... When I finally realized what I was doing, I found Bobby's body underneath me paws. Bobby, my best friend. I ran home in the fur and everything went away by the time I got here and Mom saw me at the door and it was like she knew what happened. God, Bobby must have been horrified. Seamus hugged her tightly as she sobbed into her father's arms. You need to pull yourself together, Abigail. Something beautiful has just happened to you. You've gone through the revelation of the sun. It's natural to be shaken up over your first judgment. Beautiful. First judgment. What in the bloody hell do you mean? I just killed my best friend, ah. I'm a hideous monster. You think this is fucking beautiful? Seamus closed his eyes, took a deep breath, and turned toward the doorway to see his wife who was nodding in reassurance. He turned his attention back to Abigail as he tried to come up with the words to make her understand. You are only a monster if you let yourself become one. Listen carefully, lass. Your mother and I knew this day would come, but we weren't sure when, so we couldn't tell you everything until now. You're a special, very special girl. Don't play the shite with me. 
I have no idea what you're talking about! Amos sensed the fear and anguish of his daughter and backed away. <sighs> what I'm going to tell you... What I'm going to say is going to fly against anything you have ever been taught in this world. This will take some time to understand, but now that you've officially joined the family... I'm a McGregor. That's all the family I need. Do you mean that I wasn't a McGregor before? No. You were always going to be a McGregor. But there is another family now that you're officially a part of. Seamus started to change shape in front of her as hair grew, bone and sinew contorted, and Abigail's eyes widened as the man who was her father changed into something she did not recognize, but felt familiar all the same. Da? Once he was done, he stood proudly in front of his daughter as a were-lion, with a proud, golden-brown mane and claws that looked like it could rip anything to shreds. From the other end of the house, Seamus' wife came into the room, and she had already changed into a female were-lion. Abigail was speechless, as Seamus said. We are sorry, Auntie, my daughter. Welcome to the family. An hour later, over an open campfire outside in their spacious backyard, Abigail sat in her pajamas under the moon and stars. She had done this all her life, but it now seemed a little surreal as she sat and listened as her father regaled her on who and what she was. He reached down into a woodpile and put a log on the fire. He stood proudly in his human form as he began to explain. I want to start off by answering the one question on your mind, and then we'll go from there. What are the Soliantu? Well, you are Soliantu. We are Soliantu. We are a blessed and sometimes cursed people. A race of were-lions who have been on this world since before the age of Noah. Our duty and reason for living is to judge the quick and the dead of this plane and protect the world against the evil forces that would seek to corrupt the natural order of things. Our name means those who give allegiance to the sun. You know how much you love being outside, that's in your blood. But it is the moon that directly gives us our power. In the ancient days, a special angel called a dominion of the powers that were who helped the Almighty create the heavens and the earth, smiled on a distant son of Seth amidst the chaos from the children of Cain. He admired the power, ferocity, and the grace of the lion. He bestowed his gifts upon that lone man, and the Soliantu family was born. In return for this blessing, that child of Seth, named Fahar, made a pact with the angels. He would never reveal his true nature to the mortal world, and he would never question another's judgment harshly. And he would also come to the aid of the forces of righteousness whenever they needed him. This became the basis for our code. The Soliantu tribe thrived under the descendants of that first son of Seth but could not turn back the tide of evil which came from the wicked. They went to war in those days against the Nephilim, 
but could not defeat them without help from heaven. A woman, known in Arlor only as the Lioness Fahari, who came from the loins of the first lion, Fahar, was the last remaining Soliatu after the Great War of the Gregori. She found love and was married to one of Noah's sons, Shem. She joined with them on the Ark before the firmament burst open and the rains came down. During the great flood away from the eyes of the others, she was visited by the Archangel Michael. She was commanded to branch out through all the world after the waters receded and after the survival of the great flood. Bahari, after the exit from the Ark, took Shem's unborn child and did as the Archangel commanded. As the line grew, there came a time when the original family of the Fahari, without knowledge of Shem, who didn't know of Fahari's heritage, became four families. The Fahari, who followed their matriarch on their way back to Africa. The Ben-Judah, who followed the people who eventually became the Hebrews. The Shu, who would go to the Far East. And the Nemeans, who would join the Greek culture and eventually rule of the vast Roman Empire. These families provided justice, but in the shadows, to the known world. Later generations of the Soliantu who were born began to immerse themselves in the cultures of where they lived. The Greeks, the Romans, the Celts, and even a branch of the Ben Judah split from their respective families after the child called Ishmael was cast from the bosom of Abraham and created the people that one day would become the Arabs and the Muslims. They headed east to the lands of Persia and even further into India. Our lore is unclear as to why this split occurred, other than Abraham's judgment over Ishmael and his mother seemed to be cold to these members of the former Ben-Judah. This rose to the legend that God himself charged these lions to protect them and eventually their offspring on their journey away from Abraham into the wilderness. These Soliantu became known as the Assad. As it is sometimes happens with empires and structures, time passes by and brings change. And the Namians disappeared at the end of the Roman Empire due to the massive amounts of conflagration and destruction by other worldly influences. The Greek Namians no longer existed as a whole, and the remnants followed differing paths. Some mangled with their Germanic tribes and travelled far north. They became the Piraeus family, and the ones who stayed loyal to the original idea of the Greeks and the Romans gravitated towards Gaul and the Iberian Peninsula. That family would become the Leon family, and heads of the Kingdom of Leon in Spain. The last of the Soliantu, who claimed to be Nemeans, died with the demise of the Byzantines in their empire. The last family to come from the split of the Namians settled in northern France and the British Isles. In the beginning, the only family was called Plantagenet. Yes, they were the same family that bore King Richard the Lionheart, as the irony is uh, fitting. Richard was not a Soliantu. Far from it. 
Eventually, they intermarried with the Scots to the north and the Plantagenet Soliantu, who, because of the War of the Roses, wouldn't breed with Lancaster stock instead of York, died off when that war ended. Our family, who were the last ones left, the MacGregors, took the title as bannermen of the Soliantu to Scotland and the British Isles to where we remain strength today. Our families upheld our mission to judge and right the wrongs we could all over the known world. Though we were far from a united family as we should have been. During the Napoleonic Wars and what the Americans called the War of 1812, we received a magical summons from the House of Lioness Fahari herself. This was unprecedented. It was something we were all back into. Every Soliantu from the four corners of the globe gathered as one family for the first time in a long time. And it was with her in Africa. We were shocked to find that we were no longer just four or nine families, but a full ten. One of the shoe had travelled so far east as she entered into the realm of North America. She intermingled with the people of the American Chippewa tribe and brought forth the Mizubizhish family. They were cougars, mountain lions. Even though they possessed a derivative of our blood, they were, were were creatures. They were not entirely as we were. Even so, we had deemed them brothers and comrades in arms. But there was a puzzling absence, however, as the shoe, who normally missed nothing, didn't show. Unfortunately, to the sadness of our family, we found out why. The heir, the heir to Lioness Fahari's reign, the daughter of the lioness herself, called Imara, escaped an exceptionally long life. But now it was time for her to go, as the circle of life was complete for her. She also felt that the Fahari family had been leaders of the Soliantu for long enough, and she came to a formal conclusion. All the families were called to Africa to meet this gracious and noble judge. She was a true representative for our people, and a good role model for females of our kind as was the Great Mother herself. It was at this event, which she called the crowning, that she stepped down as the leader of the family, and per the rules of nature, a new leader was to emerge and be crowned. This ruler was to be called the Aikichi, and it means God's strength. There were, however, rules, and these were added as major tenets to our code. Number one, the Aikichi is always male. In nature, the male lion rules the territory, and so the fathers of the families, following the course of nature, make sure that no one questions the Aikichi unless it is severely necessary. Number two, the Aikichi would rule without question, but could be challenged at any time by a rival male lion to take control. If the rival won his contest, he would become the new Aikichi, and his family would be the ruling family. Number three, the Aikichi would rule until he felt as though his judgment or body could not allow him to rule any further and his reign is passed down to his chosen son. Notice I said, chosen, for it's not always the firstborn who's worthy. 
nor does every Aikichi give forth a male heir. He can choose someone outside of his pride to replace him, but the same challenge rules apply. Yaikichi has access in every possible way to all females within the family. Their allegiance and their doting belong to him, and in return their grace and dignity is for him to guard and defend. Five lastly, Yaikichi was a representative of the pact. If the pact was ever in jeopardy or stressed to be broken, it would be up to the Aikichi in good faith to repair that damage as best as he could. If he couldn't, he would be removed from his throne as an act of the Almighty himself. The Aikichi would be crowned by combat. Chosen and worthy combatants would meet in a circle and would fight until one remained standing, and the others would bow their knees and die in his claws. After the crowning, a member of one of the newest families who had originally come from the loins of the Fahari, called the Kings, became the first Aikichi. His name was Ezekiel King, and he was a former slave in the American South who gained his freedom, and he gracefully ascended to the throne of the Soliantu. His line is still in power today. Seamus noticed that his daughter looked like she had a billion questions to ask. He stopped speaking and addressed her. I can see you have a lot of questions. How did it happen? Is it genetic? Is it magical? How do we become were-lions? Do there other were-creatures exist? Christ in heaven. If I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, I wouldn't have believed you. It might be a little bit of both magic and genes, love. Unfortunately, we do know. Because we do not have a definitive answer, our numbers are dwindling on this earth. As other were-creatures, we are the only ones left. Werewolves are no more. The last werewolf, a man by the name of Jesse Kincaid, was the finest warrior I'd ever seen. But uh, he couldn't take on the evil by himself. Sadly, no one knows what happened to him. Okay. You also said that we are the Soliantu? Judge the quick and the dead? I mean, I can guess about the living, but how do we judge the dead? They're dead people. Fair enough question, my dear. The Piraeus, or Viking lions, as they are labelled, possess rituals and powers that can help bring judgement on a spirit, wraith, or ghost in our realm without having to traverse the Shadowlands. Wow, well, that. I would literally piss me niggers. <laughs> I felt the same when I was your age. You get used to it all. It's just part of the duty. But the Piraeus specialize in this. What does our family do? What do McGregor's do? We are scribes, artists, and bards of our order. We found that we are pretty damn good at it, too. There was a pause between father and daughter, as if 18 years of the truth were finally revealed to her, and then she looked up at her father. You know I can't sing that. What kind of bargain am I going to be? Do I need to learn how to play an instrument or something? It's okay, Abby. You have other talents, though. Art is a form of expression, much like writing and song. Oh, I just thought of something. What about Finn? I heard him talking about fighting the king most of my life, but I never caught on to what he meant full till now. At first I thought it was just a metaphor about you, 
Your brother feels and has felt since he came to power that the current Aikichi, Soliantu named Lionel King, is unworthy of the title. And he inherited it. And is trying to become the first McGregor Aikichi. It is his right as a lion to challenge, just so as long as he doesn't dishonor our family. What if he does? What if Finn does something to dishonor us? What if... What if I did something to dishonor our family? Seamus grabbed a log and slowly placed it into the fireplace. <clears throat> to the our honor is paramount. To the McGregors, that's our very nature. You and your brother would be cast out of our family forever, and you join the ranks of the prideless. The prideless? Those who have committed great shame or dishonor to our families. They haven't fallen like the Kingslayers, but they might as well be dead in our eyes. Seamus looked at Abigail as if to tell her something else important. Well, you have had one hell of a time coming upon your revelation here. New things are happening. It's cause for excitement. There have only been four great meetings of the families, and that was the coronation of the Akichi, the death of the Mizubizu, and the fall of the Shu. And now one is happening tomorrow. Four of the Shu? And what's happening tomorrow? McGregor looked at his wife as the two seemed to meet eyes at the same time. She then dismissed herself from the campfire. Seamus then sat back down. A drink would be in order first. You want one? Abigail's eyes widened as it seemed as though her father was treating her like an adult for the first time. You serious, Dad? Seamus' wife returned with a bottle and a couple of glasses. Abigail McGregor was puzzled by her father's gratitude and just pointed towards a large bottle. Scotch. Single malt. Seamus poured two fingers worth into a tumbler and handed it to the younger McGregor. His eyes widened as he handed it to her. Aye, that's a good pour. Especially considering I'm the tale I'm about to tell. She lifted the glass to her nose and inhaled the aroma. She had never tried scotch before, and she'd always wondered what it would be like. After a moment of basking it in, she drank the fiery liquid straight down and coughed up a storm. <coughs> <coughs> Good, eh? Her father playfully slapped her knee and began his story. The Kingslayers. They were eventually called. But once Chinese lions called the Shi. They were attempted late in the 19th century by evil forces called the Defiling Horde. And with a promise of more power, they turned on their brothers who remained loyal and as a whole, the entire Soliantu. In 1976, the Kingslayers set a huge trap, and at the end it cost us a lot of lives. One important one was a kinswoman, who was the mother of the current Aikichi. The Aikichi has Scottish blood. Aye, but we don't think in those terms. Several members of our family would go to the other smaller families to take a meet. Uh, where was I? The Kingslayers. Ah, right, right. The Kingslayers were rounded up and killed thanks to the heroics of Eileen McGregor. So, there are no more Kingslayers? Aye, my daughter. There are no more Kingslayers. 
That cancerous line was destroyed. That doesn't mean that there won't be another line who could fall to the bad side. <clears throat> I guess you're right in that sense. The temptation is always there. As for tomorrow, I'm going to America. That Aikichi is called a gathering of the heads of the families and says that something has happened that is very vital to our people. And all the heads of the families must attend. I've never been to America. I wish I could go. Maybe one day you can. But unfortunately, it's only I that must attend. But I'll be home shortly after, as soon as there is nothing keeping me from coming home. Pretty sure your mother has things she wants to train you and teach you about. Seamus patted his daughter on her cheek and walked towards the house. As this isn't for my ears, I'm going to bed. I need to get some dress for the trip. Abigail watched her father walk away and was surprised that her mother had been there the entire time without a speech. She stared at her mother. You've been really silent this whole time. What gives? Abigail's mother grinned as she waited for Seamus to finally enter the house. I love your father dearly, but there are things he doesn't and shouldn't know about. A sacred task was given to us by the lioness Fahari herself that only we can do. It is up to us to keep the Aikichi strong and righteous, and we do so by attending to his every whim and desire. What do you mean, every desire? We serve the Aikichi. For he is the chief justice of our people. If he is in need of sexual attention or anything else. Wait a minute, Mom. You mean to tell me that if this Aikichi wants to have sex with me, that I'm just supposed to willingly let him have me? I've had sex with him. It's no big deal for the Aikichi. It is our place in our world. And as a lioness, you must concern yourself with propagating and protecting our people. Even with our numbers, there are not many of us. There is another reason, though, that is more vital than just satisfying the loins of the Aikichi. Our position also gives us another access to the Aikichi in a way that the fathers of the families do not have. If at any point do the Aikichi's desires and whims counteract the code, endangers the pact or the honor of our people or the tenants of Fahari, we are to cut down that Aikichi and institute a new crowning. So we're the secret rulers of Zalantu? Her mother shook her head as she took a drink of wine. No, not in the traditional sense of the word. We are the spirit that guides the integrity of the Solenatu. If it doesn't go according to that integrity, it must be done away with, plain and simple. You will receive more upon your training. There is a new life for you, my daughter, and it has just begun. (laughs) What? A little overwhelmed? Abigail looked at the McGregor clan crest that was hanging from her keychain. Emblazoned on the front of the clan's crest was a lion. I always wondered why there was a lion on her clan symbol. Now I know why. Her mother lifted her wine glass and toasted to the moon.
Always follow a path of honor and you will never go wrong. You've been listening to Hail to the King series, episode three, History of the Soliantu. In the cast you heard, Gatekeeper Argentum, played by Tess Miller. Seamus McGregor, played by Danny Atwell. Abigail McGregor, played by Kelly Hunter. And Marna McGregor, played by Jennifer Grayson. Special effects by Zapsplat.com. Hail to the King by Avenged Sevenfold. Gimme Shelter by The Rolling Stones. Shadow in the Sun by Audio Slave. Keeping the Blade by Coheed and Cambria. Paper Sun by Def Leppard and the Royal Philharmonic. And Bonnie Portmore by Lorena McKennett. Hail to the King is a Dark Charm Media production. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved.